0: All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Hunter, and thank you, uh, worship team. Well, wasn't that beautiful this morning? I, I, um, I'm a little partial to the cello and Na Young playing that's beautiful. I mean, the cajon, come on, it's a, it's a box, right? But, I mean, my son is beautiful, but come on. Um, but each one of you guys, I know that that came, uh, that comes, that's from the heart. And praise God, praise God, um, that is. Uh, it, it just pointed us to Jesus. You know, our God is perfect wrath and fire, and that perfect wrath was poured out on His Son. And uh, boy, beautiful. Thank you guys. Thank you for the preparation and for just leading us into uh, just a, a renewed, a renewed appreciation and love for our Savior. Well, guys, you know, I was thinking, just standing there, um, I, I, there were some, some folks that were here for the first time last week, and I'm not sure, maybe they're here today, this morning, but, but afterwards, they were, I got to talk to them for a little bit, and they, they were a little confused, like, who's, you know, are, who's the pastor, that sort of thing, and who are you, and, and so I figured, you know, I'm gonna make sure people know who I am, and uh, just, I'm, I'm not the pastor here, or even a pastor here. Um, we find ourselves in a little shortage of pastors around here right now, but uh, no, no shortage of the grace of God for sure, and uh, so we're thankful. We have Hunter, and uh, Hunter's a worship leader here and serves in, in a number of pastoral roles, but yeah, he's not the pastor here, um, nor am I, nor anyone else, um, but we're, we're in the process of working through that, seeking God's direction of uh, who would be the, the pastor here, the next pastor, and so... I appreciate your prayers on that, but my name is Jeremy. I've been here about 10 years with my family, nine years, I guess. I always say 10 because it's kind of a cooler number, but, um, <laughs> but uh, we're having a great time and appreciate all God's doing. You know, last time I was here, I, I was making these comments about, about the heat and the, the Fresno summer um, and just saying that I was looking forward to those double-digit days, you know, where it's not three digits, but it's two. And I was just thinking, you know, that was two weeks ago, and its I'm still not there. I'm still scrolling through and the weather app, and it's still not giving me any hope. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the calendar, and it's like, you know, August 20th. I'm like, come on now. I mean, uh, I think Starbucks is going to release their, you know, their PSL pretty soon, and that's supposed to signify the coming—they already did? Oh, that's supposed to signify that it's fall, but— I don't know, it's just not, it's not cooperating, um, and it's just not getting any better yet. Uh, but I will say that I was, I was up earlier this morning uh, upstairs at, at our house, um, and I'm hearing, I had the window open because it had dropped down to, you know, 98 or whatever it was, and, um, and I hear these geese, and I'm thinking, geese are flying south. <laughs> autumn is coming, it is on, it is on the brink, right? Because that's what they do when it's autumn, when it's winter, they fly. And so I, I jump up, I look out the window, and here comes six geese, you know, flying in a V. Um, and I had to look that up, by the way, I think it's called a skein, a skein of geese, or chevron of geese, whatever. But they're, they're flying by uh, 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 like this, and then I look closer, and I think, the, <laughs> I think the, the two geese in the rear were literally on fire, like they're smoking, <laughs> right? It's kind of like a Blue Angels display, you know, like this. And uh, I'm kidding about that. But then it, then it hit me. Um, it was kind of like the smoking formation, right? But it, it kind of hit me that they're probably flying north for the winter, you know? They're probably on their way north and not south because they're looking for cooler temps. But in any way, I, in any case, I think that they... Um, I I don't know, I think it's getting closer, I think that was a sign, just a little comfort from God, sending those geese by our way, and so, praise God, thankful, thankful that the end is in sight, I I hope, I hope, but we walk by faith and not by sight, so, looking forward to all that God has for us today in Romans 5, let's look in Romans 5, church, I hope you came today uh, ready to receive from God's word, Um, I have very little to say myself, honestly, and um, I don't mean I'm going to let you go in five minutes, but I do mean that there, there's very little that I that I can do uh, with my intellect or my reasoning. Um, but I, I trust and believe that the Spirit of God has spoken to me through this chapter, and I trust and believe that He will speak to you through it. And that's that's my prayer this morning. Uh, if you're able, let's stand together. We're going to read through Romans 5. Um, And just to kind of get an overall glimpse of this, and then we'll focus this morning on Romans 5, 1 through 11, verses 1 through 11. Let's read, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die, but God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we've now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression, he is a type of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of, one, of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin, like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. Since by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through, one, through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Romans 5. Oh Lord, as we unpack the first portion of this chapter this morning, we trust that your Spirit will do the work That needs to be done in our lives lord open our eyes illuminate our minds lord to the truth of your word and god may may each person uh, sitting here today receive what you have for them and god we trust that you will be glorified through it we look forward to all that you will do in jesus name amen thank you guys you can be seated Man, you know, one thing about reading through the whole chapter before you preach, um, it kind of, it it feels like a little bit like spoilers, you know, because like there's things I want to say about each one of these verses, and each one kind of builds on the next one, and I want to stop and, (laughs) you you feel that, Hunter? It's like you want to stop and say something about it, but it's like be patient, Jeremy, relax, it's coming. So anyway, here we go in in, uh, verse number one. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith. And I want to just, just a quick recap on uh, Hunter preached for a couple of Sundays here through Romans chapter 4. And uh, it's just speaking of the promise that was given to Abraham. That promise, uh, uh, that, promise that, that gift of righteousness by faith. And the scriptures tells us here in Romans 4 that, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed before the law, and that was counted to him as righteousness. It was credited to his account, and because uh, because Abraham believed uh, before the law, uh, he is we we as as Abraham did believed outside. We, we believe in the, the grace of God apart from the law, and that justification is credited to our account as well. And so, uh, Paul spends Romans four talking about that and, and uh, talking about. Righteousness being credited in Abraham. And then he comes into verse, or chapter number five and he says, Therefore, since, all, since he's laid all of that, and since we have been declared righteous, by, since we have been declared by faith. And I just want to pause right there and, and sit in that for a moment. I want you to think about that. Declared righteous. Not, not self declared, right? Not, it's not just something that we decided it's not declared by another human being it's not uh there's there's no there's no other factors that play into this declaration except that the one creator of the universe has declared us righteous by faith the one who actually has the power to give life and to call things into existence that don't exist we see that in in chapter 4 verse 17. that creator of the universe that god has declared us righteous By faith that he has supernaturally supplied to us. Also, I want to bring attention to these first two words of this verse. Therefore, since. So, uh, Paul, he's setting up everything he's about to say as a response to this declaration of righteousness. Right? So, he's like, all of this, all of this (laughs) in chapter 4. Therefore, since, this is a declaration that is true. And then he continues on. And I just want to point out, guys, I want to bring, uh, I want to make this point that our lives ought to be a response to the declaration. The declaration. The declaration that we are righteous. It is, that it is a it is gift of God, that it's by grace and it is through faith that he has supplied for us. And because of that declaration and because we have believed by faith, may our lives be a response to that. May each day that we live... May it be a response to the reality that he has declared. So, what is the first thing he says here? He says, Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, it's not that we simply have the possibility of peace, like peace is available to you. It's not simply that somehow there's a margin now that, that peace can be obtained. No, he declares, we have peace. We have ongoing peace with God. We are no longer at odds with him. We have peace. There is a, this is a statement. The statement is that peace with God is a present tense reality. We have it. We have it. We have peace with God. It's the result of the declaration of God regarding the righteousness of God being applied to us by the grace of God through faith from God. Now that's quite a mouthful, but do you see a pattern there? It's all God. It's all God. This righteousness, it's a result of his declaration. By his grace and through the faith he gave us, it's all God. Praise God. We're no longer at war with him. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. We're no longer orphans. We're sons and we're daughters. Wow. Wow. We no longer surrender as enemies, rather we yield as friends, you know? I think about that, surrender is kind of a word that's used often in, in Christianity, and, you know, I don't, I, I don't really, I, there was a time where I, you know, would want to get upset and correct people's words, I don't, I don't want to do that, you know? I mean, people typically when they say, I, I surrender to God, what they, I know what, what the heart of that person is, it means that they, they simply want to be they know they're at God's mercy and they want to yield to him. But think about that word surrender for a minute. Who do we surrender to? We surrender to enemies, right? I surrender to an enemy, but I'm no longer an enemy with God. I'm a friend. Now, I understand that you know, my, 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 that, that my flesh and, and the, the, human, uh, the, the human part of me rubs up against God and, and it's, it's an enmity with God. I understand that, but that is not what defines me. And as a friend with God, I yield to him. I submit to him. But that surrender was something I did once. I surrendered to him. He adopted me. He made me his own. He made me his child. And so I, I'm, no, I'm no longer surrendering to him as an enemy. I'm yielding as a son. And I just wanted to point that out this morning and, and just think about that. Consider it. And I'll let God speak to you through that. But in any case, we are at peace with God. And guys, humanity longs for peace, you know? We long for peace. And we look for it in all kinds of ways. Uh, We seek it in success. We seek it in relationships. We look for it in circumstances, human initiatives and improvements. But ultimately, what happens to those? Oh, they're successful for a little while maybe, you know, based on our resolve and our ability to work together as human beings but you know ultimately we see it time after time that they all fall short because true peace is not fleshly but it's spiritual right it's spiritual as such it can only come from god true peace can only come from god and praise god he tells us right here that because of this declaration of righteousness by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ now consider that it is through christ That is is the avenue of peace in our lives. It's through Christ. It's not by works of righteousness, which we've done. It's according to his mercy. It's according to the sacrifice of Christ. We'll talk about that a little later on in these verses. Let's look at verse number two. So we have that peace with God. Remember, therefore since, and, and Paul just starts, he starts laying it on us right here. Because of that declaration of righteousness by faith, we have peace with God. We also have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. (laughs) Oh, this was a beautiful truth that that God pointed out to me in in this passage. But there's a common question out there. You've heard it. Where do you stand? Right? Where do you stand on this issue? Where do you stand on that issue? Whatever it is, and there's a million issues, you know. People want to know where do you stand on that? And by this, you know, they're looking to know what's your position regarding a certain thing or idea. Uh, Some have even asked, you know, where do you stand with God? And I would submit that's probably the most important question you can ask. Where do you stand with God? But guys, I want to point out here that as a result of the Declaration of Righteousness, I can boldly say this, I stand in the grace of God. In the grace of God. Read it again with me here. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. This grace in which we stand. I kind of picture, I picture a little kid, uh, I mean, not just a kid, I do this, especially around, around Fresno, when it rains, it's pretty rare, but it's like... I pictured this little kid outstanding in the downpouring rain, you know. His hands are out. He's just loving, feeling that rain hitting him, you know, face up to the sky like this. And he's got a huge smile on his face, just loving that rain. Any of you guys ever done that? Kids? Oh, come on, guys. Who's done that? All right, thank you. I was going to say, I just did that a couple of weeks ago when it rained, so don't judge me. But anyway, uh, I think of that, 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 that rain just coming down and washing over. Washing over you. And that's what I think about when I read this. That we stand there in the grace of God. And he just rains it on us. It's just washing over us. And just that feeling of being completely at his mercy and completely washed in his grace. And I think of that when Paul writes this. And he says we have access to that. That grace. That grace in which we stand. We have access to it. Once again, look, it says we have access through him. It's through Jesus. And a pattern again starts to occur, or starts to be made clear here. It's, It's through Christ, all of it. We have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, this grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Guys, we stand in that pouring rain of grace of God by faith, and it's got us soaked. We're soaked in it, and it's, that rain never stops. It doesn't stop. There's no drought, you know? It's a, it's a never-ending rain, and we just, we're standing in it. We live in it. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Guys, we have great joy in knowing that God's glory is being magnified through his display of grace in our lives, the hope of the glory of God. Now, I love this. Look in verse 3. He says, and not only that, and we see he's going to say that again, uh, not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. I, when, I, when I see that phrase, not only that, I think of, I think of Paul writing with excitement, you know, c- can't wait to get to the end of that sentence so we can write, and not only that, but add some more on there. I don't know if he did that or not, but I kind of read between the lines there, and I, can, I know that Paul um, Paul has, he, he, he says, he uses those words a, a couple of different times here. But it's almost like he's gotten kind of on a, on a glory roll. And it's just kind of overflowing onto the page. But wait, there's more he's saying to us. Wait, there's more. He states, we rejoice in our afflictions. Now hold up, hold up, wait a second. Rejoicing in our afflictions? Uh, that seems really idealistic, doesn't it? I mean, afflictions are bad things, right? I mean, that's where... That's where pain's happening. Um, That's where we don't like it. That's where bad things are happening in our lives. Afflictions. I don't know about you, but when I read something like that, um, I tend to think, okay, well, this might have happened like for super Christians or for like apostles and stuff, but normal people like me struggle to embrace hard times with joy. I mean, let's get real. Paul, you know, he was kind of up here, but I'm a normal Christian. <laughs> we got to stop and consider a couple things, guys. First of all, there aren't any super Christians. There aren't super Christians and normal Christians. There's just Christians. Um, God has not, God did not give Paul some sort of, um, you know, some some port, some port of, some some port sort of, uh, you know, higher level or higher plane than He's given you and me. He did not die more for Paul or shed more blood for Paul than he shed for you or me. Um, and I think this becomes evident if you've ever read the end of Romans 7. You see that Paul was a normal Christian like you and I. The things he wants to do, he knows he should do, he doesn't. And the very thing that he knows he should not do, he does. Oh, wretched man that I am. Now, now I can, I can identify with that, right? We can identify with that a little more than we can identify with rejoicing in our afflictions. But things like that, they just say to me, Paul, Paul was a normal Christian like you and I. Um, because normal Christians are simply Christians that have been washed in the blood of Christ and are being held by his power in his grace and mercy. And friends, that's all of us. That's all of us. Now, do certain, are, are certain Christians, have, have they yielded in greater ways to Christ. Well, certainly, I understand that. I understand that there may be certain people who, um, who have responded to God's work in different ways. But God is—if you are a child of His, He is working in you. He's working in you, and may our eyes be opened to that work. So here we go. We have—we have this. This uh, we have Paul writing here. Therefore, not only that, but I rejoice. I rejoice, we rejoice in our afflictions. Paul's explaining here how we're to face those uh, afflictions. Really, it's the way we're empowered to face everything in our lives with rejoicing. Not because the affliction is easy, but because the companionship is beautiful and constant. And that's our Savior. It is the companionship of Christ. Guys, we... we, As long as we live on planet Earth, planet Earth is going to come at us. It comes at us. But Christ lives in us, and he works through us, and we can have peace with God, and we can rejoice in those afflictions. Now, look at verse number four here. The Bible tells us that, uh, end of verse three, we know that affliction produces endurance. Verse four, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Now our achieving flesh reads this and says, "Yes, finally a checklist, something we can work through, right? We can relate with this. Finally, a, a predictable progression that we can work into our routine. Hey, all I got to do is endure, and that's you know, uh, A is going to result in B, and then C, and then ultimately, I'm going to have hope. And guys, human human endurance can be remarkable. It really can." Um, I mean, I could go off with some illustrations here about human endurance, and we've heard stories, many of you have stories, of how you have endured awful and horrible things, or, or even just difficult things. Human resolve has accomplished many human works, whether it's in the gym, on the sports field, or any other area of hardship, any other arena of hardship. But guys, this isn't what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about your progression in the gym. He's not saying, hey, that affliction, you just, you just hit it with endurance because that endurance is going to prove your character and then that's going to result in hope. Now, that's clearly what he said, but he's not speaking of, of, of a fleshly endurance here because look at verse number five. It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out on our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There it is. There it is. Human efforts fade, guys. Human efforts fade. They wane. I'm not saying there aren't any remarkable human efforts. There are, but they have no ultimate value. They are empowered by human resolve and earthly motivations. But this hope Paul is speaking of will never disappoint us, God's word says, because it is a hope that is not authored or produced by man. It's not. This endurance in affliction is the result of the new heart God has given us. Look what it says. It says, This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So it's the heart that is washed and soaked in the love of God. That is where that, is where that, um, that endurance through affliction comes from. It produces proven character. And you know, I... I think sometimes we can look at that and just think man i you know i'm not where i want to be in regards to character i'm not and we can pretty quickly think of areas where our character has given out where it's failed but guys who who is it that has proven character over and over again it is christ it is christ his character he proves it over and over again and when our human efforts fall short and our character is flawed and our goodness is suspect, Christ is proven. His character is proven. His goodness is perfect and we can rest in him. That, that hope will not disappoint us. Guys, human, human, uh, uh, human efforts will disappoint us. We disappoint ourselves, don't we? I've, I did it again. I failed again. I I came up short again. It disappoints us. But Paul says, no. This hope won't disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's look here at verse number six. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hey guys, we were helpless. Why were we helpless? What do you think? That's it. We were dead, weren't we? And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We didn't have a pulse. Oh no, we were yeah, we were helpless, all right. We weren't alive spiritually. We were dead. And that seems about the right time for God to step in, doesn't it? That's what he says there. He says. While we were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I was thinking this morning a little earlier, um, you know, why didn't God, like, why did he wait so long to die for the sins of the world, (laughs) you know? I mean, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and death came upon all men, God's word tells us. Why couldn't he have just died right then and saved us a lot of misery? Um... And I'm not going to give you the answer, because I'm still thinking about it. (laughs) But just a thought I had. And I think, um, I I know that, I know that had, uh, just a a few thoughts I had about that. But, you know, had God done that and immediately sent his son to die for the sins of two human beings, um, I don't know that the perspective would be there for mankind uh, but he, he, let, he let mankind, he, he let that play out. He let the, the sins of mankind, we feel them. We feel the death and destruction. We see them throughout history. And whatever reasoning God had for waiting until the exact moment when he sent his son, the Bible tells us here that we were helpless and at the right time. Only he knew, he knew the right time, he knew it. We don't really know why he chose that time, but at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then he goes on here. He says in verse 7, For rarely will someone die for a just person, uh, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, Paul's saying, listen, this kind of thing just doesn't happen with human love. It doesn't happen. I mean there's there's heroic stories you know certainly in battle where a man will lay down his life to protect the lives to to sustain the lives of his uh, brothers in arms and those are those are um, those are beautiful moments and I don't want to downplay them by any means those are set, those sacrifices we are the benefactors of those in in this country where we have freedom and and it happens not only in this country but in but in other Uh, across the world where there is there is a human sacrifice for another human and those are remarkable but God is no mere human and he approved it by his great act of love toward dead sinful humans while we were dead when we didn't even have the sense or ability to ask for help God made the first move and he while we were still helpless he died for the ungodly God proved his own love for us in that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Let's look at verse 9. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? I mentioned this at the outset here of the message this morning, but that wrath of God against us has been satisfied by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in Romans 8.1. Our sin demanded payment, and that payment could only be death, and Jesus died. Jesus died, and God's wrath, all of it was poured out on his son, and there's none left for his remaining children. We walk free because that wrath was poured out on the son of God, the only begotten son of God. Wow, what a gift. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. Look in verse 10, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? Wow, if God made such a sacrifice to make us alive, will he then leave us helpless to figure out this gift of life on our own? By no means to use Paul's word. By no means. We were saved from wrath by Christ's death and we are being sanctified by his life. He's not left us alone, guys. He hasn't left us alone. He hasn't declared us righteous and then left us to figure it out on our own. He has lived the life. He died the death we could never die. Now think about that. Um... Many people die in their sins. But he died the death we couldn't die in that even if we die in our sins, we will never pay. We will never pay the price for those sins. Right? There's not a time where we're done, you know, where, where our, our, our death is done and then we, we have paid it off and then we can walk free. No, that doesn't happen. When we die in our sins, it is eternal. It is eternal. But Christ died the death that we could never die because he did not deserve the death and he reigned over it in the resurrection. But not only that, he died the death we could never die and he lived the life we could never live. And that's what the scripture is telling us right here. It says that we will be saved by his life. We will be saved by his life. By his resurrection, by his resurrection, he conquered death on our behalf, and by the life that he lived, and the life that he currently lives, he, he is saving us in sanctification. He is that sanctification, that ongoing work of sanctification of of our uh, of our minds and our behaviors being brought into uh, being brought into submission and being brought into parallel with his mind. That is that ongoing sanctification that his life won for us. Thank God for that. Verse 11, and not only that, here goes Paul again with, the, with this. He's just, he's just on a roll. And not only that, in verse 11, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Ooh, this is good, guys. Think about this. Uh, that, uh, that word reconciliation is kind of a, you know, a big word. I, I think some of us would understand what that means, but like if you Google that, just check out the definition. Reconciliation, it's, it's really just the end of estrangement between two parties or um, maybe put more simply, it's the restoration of friendly relations, right? If I'm, if I'm at odds with uh, somebody and we make things right, I'm reconciled to them. And that's basically what that means, that reconciliation. And Paul's saying here that we have received this reconciliation. I want to point out here that this reconciliation was not something we negotiated with God. Right? Now, I think between two human beings, we can maybe negotiate a reconciliation. You know, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry, too. And we, you know, we kind of work that out. We kind of make concessions to each other, and we come to a point where we're reconciled. That's not the case here with, with us and God. We did not negotiate a reconciliation. It was something we received. Do you see what he says here? He says, says, not only that, we rejoice in God through through Christ through whom we have now received this reconciliation. That reconciliation is a gift. It was one-sided. We are reconciled to God because God has a covenant with Jesus Christ, and we are in him. We don't have business with God. We we, uh, God has business with his son, with Jesus, and we are simply benefactors of that business. Reconciliation. We didn't negotiate a truce. We received mercy, and we were grafted into a reconciliation. Praise God. That reconciliation, that peace with God was a gift. It was a gift. Wow. We received it. And guys, that's really, that's really the summary of this whole, this whole portion of uh, Romans 5 we received we received and guys that is what you know the, the, the religion wants to achieve I was talking to Stephanie about this yesterday religion wants to desperately achieve can we achieve what can we earn um, human wisdom wants to earn religion wants to earn but there is no place for earning in, in the Christian life, we, there is only room for receiving because there's nothing left to earn. God has, Christ has earned it all for us by his death, by his life, and we can only receive. Mm. And that's really what we have here. We're receiving peace, we receive access, we receive grace. We receive his kindness. His love is poured out in our hearts. His reconciliation is gifted to us. And it goes on and on. What a blessing. So guys, I hope that this is encouraging to you today. I hope that you'll be able to read this, uh, just kind of soak in it. Um, Lord willing, we'll talk about this on Wednesday again when we come together. Uh, But I hope it's spoken to you. Um, I hope that the peace that we have with God, the reconciliation that we have with him, uh, that, that our eyes will be opened to the beauty of what he has given us. And that's, uh, that's what Paul is writing to, uh, to uh, the Romans here, the, the church in Rome. And that is what I believe God has for us by his spirit today in this place. And so uh, let's walk out of here this morning, guys, thanking God, thanking God for his gifts, his gift of righteousness, his declaration over us for that peace, for that access, for that grace, for that reconciliation. It's all God, and thank him for it. If you don't know Christ in here today, maybe you came in uh, this morning and you just decided to come to church for whatever reason, and none of this makes all that much sense to you, that's okay, we're so glad you're here. But I want you to know this morning that there is nothing in you that can earn righteousness. There's nothing in you that can find peace with God. It is only through the sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus Christ, on your behalf. That's all that I have, and that's all that you have. And God is calling you today. Is he drawing you to himself? If he is, there is reconciliation for you. You can have peace with God. Not because you came to church, not because you, not for any other reason, than that because God has made it possible for you through Jesus Christ. He loves you, and your, your sin is awful and irreversible in your own effort, but he has made a way through Christ. You can find forgiveness of sin, and you can be brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we would no, like nothing more than for you to make that, uh, to for you to respond to God's call on your life today in that way. We'd love to talk to you. I know, uh, Hunter, we be here in the, in the back uh, shortly. Um, I'd love to talk to you. There are many folks in here who would love to speak to you about saying yes to God today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Romans 5. Wow, we have peace with you, God. We have peace by no other means than the sacrifice of your son. God, and here we stand in this grace, and it's reigning grace, God. It's not just a little bit, it's a lot. Lord, may we receive, may we receive all that you have for us today. And God, there's some here, I'm sure this morning, who... Lord, maybe some of this is just kind of flying over their head or or maybe their, their minds are elsewhere this morning. Oh God, I pray that, I pray that, Lord, in these moments, that you would focus our hearts and our minds on the truth of your word, on your goodness, on the sacrifice of your son, on the sufficiency of his blood, on the death he died, on the life he lived, On the reconciliation that he bought. On the reconciliation that was gifted to us because of Christ's sacrifice. Lord, we're no longer enemies. We're not at odds with you. We're your sons and daughters. We're friends. And so Lord, we yield to you today. You started this work in us and we trust you to finish it. Spirit of God, have your way in my life. Have your way in the heart of every listener today. And God, be magnified and glorified through the truth of your word. We pray in Jesus' name.